Hello and welcome. You are listening to the teaching ministry of Coastal Oaks Church in Rockport, Texas. It is our hope that you will be encouraged and that your desire to follow Jesus Christ will be challenged and strengthened as you listen to this podcast. For more information on location, service times, and what to expect on your next visit, go to coastaloakschurch.org. Now, grab your Bible and study along with us as you listen. I have a great privilege this morning of introducing our guest speaker. Uh, Pastor Kevin's going to be out of town for the next few weeks because we all sent him away. I don't know if you realize that, but I just want to kind of put that back out there. We sent him away, all right? Uh, He's on vacation for a few weeks traveling in the Mediterranean with Kelly, and they're they're already, I think they left out this morning. So uh, for the next few weeks, you have to tolerate folks like me, like next Sunday. But today, we have a a, a real privilege to hear from Richard Taylor from our Southern Baptist of Texas Convention. Uh, Richard serves as the Associate Director of Personal Evangelism and Fellowships. Um, and this is our state convention, so I want to help you connect those dots as well. We give a portion of our budget to support what the SBTC does. We partner with them. Uh, we have every year since I have been here, so it's good, uh, Richard, to have you with us today. Before serving in this role, he was Associate Director of Church Planning for SBTC, form, formerly served as a Director of Evangelism for the Baptist Convention of New York for 10 years, so uh, that might give you an indication about how, what we're going to hear this morning uh, Richard received his educational training from Texas A&I and from New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary, has served for over 25 years in various ministry church and denominational capacities, and currently resides, joining us today from Watauga, Texas, which is near Fort Worth. So would you join me in welcoming Richard Taylor? Amen, amen. Well, good morning. I greet you with the joy of the Lord. What a joy and privilege it is to be in the Lord's house. I hope you're excited to be here this morning. See, where I come from, excitement just looks a whole lot different than that. I really do hope that you're excited to be in the Lord's house this morning. Amen. I do bring you greetings on behalf of Dr. Jim Richards and our entire team there at the Southern Baptist of Texas Convention where I have the privilege of serving you across this great state of Texas to reach the nearly 19.5 million people who do not know the Lord Jesus Christ. 19.5 million people that if we don't figure out a way to reach them with the gospel will perish for all eternity. We've got much work to do. And the only way that we're able to do that is when churches like you give and pray through the cooperative program. And so I serve you to help our 2,730 churches across the state of Texas push back darkness to reach Texas and impact the world. Thank you for all that you do in and through the cooperative program. Well, we've got a long way to go and a short time to get there. So if you have your copy of God's word, will you join me in Jonah chapter 3? Jonah chapter 3 is where I want to hang my hat. I know we've stood a lot to sing, um, but if we can stand to sing, certainly we can stand for the word of God. So if as you arrive at Jonah chapter 3... I just want to lift a few verses out of this passage of scripture and then uh, we'll dive right in. Jonah chapter 3, beginning at the first verse, hear ye the word of the Lord. 
Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach to it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, a three-day journey in extent. And Jonah began to enter the city on the first day's walk. Then he cried out and said, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Amen. That's enough. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. Another version of this particular passage of scripture says that the word of the Lord came to Jonah again. And so I'd like to use as a thought entitled this morning, the ministry of another chance. Have you ever messed up in life? Have you ever made a mistake, did the wrong thing, said the wrong thing, you just... You had a lapse in judgment and you made the wrong choice. Have you ever been there? And if you're anything like me, you've made more mistakes than you can even count. In fact, you, if you're like me, you don't thank God for another, a second chance or third chance or fourth chance. You just, you've learned to thank him for another chance. In Jonah chapter 3, we see the story of a preacher prophet who understands the significance of another chance. Hope you don't close your Bible because I'm not smart enough to stray too far from the text. But there's some wonderful lessons in this Old Testament book that I believe are helpful for you and I. It's the story of a preacher prophet by the name of Jonah who understands the joy and the celebration that comes along with another chance. Because in Jonah chapter 3, I read in your hearing that the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. But if you know anything about the story, this is not the first time that Jonah received this message. In fact, if you flip over to Jonah chapter 1, you'll see Jonah receiving a similar message that he receives in Jonah chapter 3. In fact, your Bible says in Jonah chapter 1 that the word of the Lord comes to Jonah, the son son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. Third verse, but Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish. From the presence of the Lord, he went down to Joppa, found a ship going to Tarshish, paid the fare, went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, seeking to flee the presence of the Lord. This is not the first time that Jonah received this message. Jonah chapter 1, Jonah received a clear call from God. There's no doubt in Jonah's mind what God wants him to do. There is no doubt in Jonah's mind where God wants him to go. 
There's no ambiguity. There's no uncertainty. Jonah knows exactly who's speaking to him, and he knows exactly what God wants him to do. Can I suggest to us that we're more like Jonah than many of us like to admit? Because just like Jonah, there are many of us who are sitting here this morning listening to me who have heard from God. There's no doubt, there's no uncertainties, there's no ambiguity. We know God has spoken to us and yet in spite of having this clear call from God, we like Jonah decided we're not going to do what God has called for us to do. Are there areas of your life where you know God's spoken to you? That means yes. Are there some things that you know you ought be doing that you're not doing? And then on the flip side of that, we know that there are also things that we ought not be doing, but because we're sinners, just like Jonah, we don't always do what we know we ought be doing. And so in Jonah chapter 1, Jonah has this clear call from God. He knows exactly what God wants him to do, where God wants him to go. But Jonah decides, I'm not doing it. And there are far too many of us just like that. And so Jonah makes a decision that he's going to disobey God. And he soon discovers that whenever you and I choose to disobey God, there are consequences. So you ask a great question on this Sunday morning. Why doesn't Jonah want to go to Nineveh? It's really a great question. I'm glad y'all asked. It's a wonderful question. Why doesn't Jonah want to go and do what God's called him to do? Well, Nineveh is the capital city of the Assyrians. The Assyrians had oppressed Jonah and his people for generations. And therefore, Jonah developed a hatred for the Assyrians. He didn't like them. They didn't like him. But in spite of his dislike for them, God wanted to use him to minister to them. But because he didn't like them, he decided, I don't like those people. Do you have some of those people in your life? Oh, come on, you know those people. You know those people that live on the other side of town, those people, those people who speak a different language, those people who may have a different skin. Come on, y'all know those people. Those people that every time you think about them, it just stirs up negative feelings and connotations in your heart. Come on, you know those. I got some of those people in my own family. As long as they stay over there, we just get along a whole lot better. So Jonah says, I don't like those people. 
And unfortunately, there are far too many of us who have some of those people that we have refused to minister to. Those people who live on the other side of town. Those people who live on the other side of the law. Those people who don't think like us. Those people who don't vote like us. You know those people. In fact, can I just keep it real with you just for a little while? Some of us have even made statements like, why don't those people go back to where they came from? I stopped by here on this Sunday morning on my way to heaven to say to you, God loves those people. Jesus Christ died for those people. And we better learn how to love those But Jonah says, I don't like those people. In fact, what Jonah was doing by his actions was saying, I hate those people more than I love you. Because if I loved you more than I hated those people, even though I don't particularly care for them, I love you enough to obey you. And so I'm going to go and minister to those people, even though those people have hurt me, even though those people have done me wrong, even though I don't particularly like those people, I'm going to do it because you told me to do it. So Jonah doesn't like those people. And whenever you and I pick and choose to whom we will minister to, we're more like Jonah than many of us like to admit. Because I heard the report, mission opportunities to go to Haiti in the past, and where's the new place? Guatemala. And unfortunately, there are far too many of us who will give and sacrifice to go across the seas and across the world, but we won't walk across the street. Because we'll go over there and minister to those people, but when those people come here, we, we say, why don't they go back? You see the hypocrisy? Because some of the same those people are the those people we keep saying, why don't they go back? But then we'll go there to minister to them. I know, I know it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me either. And so Jonah has a clear call from God. Jonah decides he's not going to obey God. And then Jonah discovers that there are consequences when you disobey God. There are three things that sin will always do. Sin will always take you further than you had planned on going. Sin will always cost you more than you had planned on paying. And sin will always keep you longer than you intended on staying. It'll always take you further. It'll always cost you more. It'll always keep you longer than you intended on staying. So when you look at Jonah chapter 1, between Jonah chapter 1 verse 4 and the end of Jonah, you see at the end of Jonah chapter 1, you see Jonah reaping the consequences of his decision to disobey God. I'm heading somewhere. And by the end of the first chapter, 
Your Bible says that Jonah was thrown overboard that ship. And in the 17th verse of the first chapter, your Bible says that God prepared a great fish that swallows Jonah. I used to think that this fish was part of the punishment. But when you read the text closely, you see that the fish was not punishment, but the fish was protection. That in spite of Jonah's disobedience, in spite of Jonah's rebellion, in spite of Jonah's decision to not follow God, God still had a plan and purpose for Jonah's life. Now, I know that don't excite y'all, but it excites me to know that I serve a God who has not given up on me. That even though I don't always get it right like y'all, even though I don't always make the right decisions like y'all, I make mistakes in my life. But in spite of that, I have a God who loves me and still has a plan and purpose for my life. And so in Jonah chapter 1, verse 17, God creates this fish that swallows Jonah. And for three days and three nights, Jonah is in the belly of this fish. And so oftentimes when we're going through the negative environments of life, we often say the devil sure is busy, isn't he? The devil is trying to destroy me. The devil is trying to rob me. The devil, but listen, if we're not careful, we'll ascribe this fish to the devil. But your Bible says God prepared this fish. Because sometimes God prepares negative environments because it's in the negative environments that God can get our attention when he can't get our attention otherwise. This fish was created by God for the sole purpose of swallowing Jonah because there was something about what God could do in this fish or through this fish that he could not do in Jonah chapter 1. And so for three days, three nights, your Bible says that Jonah was in the belly of this fish at the bottom of the sea. And it was in this negative environment that God could get his servant's attention. Sometimes God creates the negative in environments that we go through in life. Sometimes God puts us on our bed of affliction because he can speak to us when we're on our back. Sometimes God will cause hardship and heartbreak because I don't know about you, but I pray harder when I'm going through struggle. When my back is up against the wall, when, 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 when life seems to be beating me up, I, I just tend to pray harder. I study my word more diligently when I'm going through struggle. And so I've discovered, and I see it played out here in the life of this preacher, Pastor Jonah, that God creates this in these environments sometime because he's trying to get our attention. And many times what we're doing is praying, God, get me out of what I'm going through as opposed to praying, God, what are you trying to teach me through what I'm going through? 
Maybe we ought to stop praying that God would get us out of the struggles of life and begin to ask God, God, what are you trying to teach me about myself? What are you trying to teach me about yourself? What are you trying to teach me even though I'm going through what I don't want to go through? And even though I don't want to go through what I'm going through, God, I know there's a purpose for why I'm going through it. And so in Jonah chapter 2, God is dealing with his servant in a negative environment. And by the end of the second chapter, Jonah repents. Jonah decides, I guess I better obey God. And your Bible says that when Jonah repents, then God commands the fish to spit him up. I said something and y'all missed it. Jonah repented and God released him. He was going through what he didn't want to go through and the only way he got released from what he was going through is there were some areas of his life that he needed to repent. And so when he repented, he was released. God Almighty. Sometimes rather than asking God to get me out, maybe there's some areas that we need to repent of. And when we repent of our disobedience and our sinfulness, then God might release us from what we're going through. And so after three days, three nights, in the belly of this fish, Jonah is now spit up on dry land. And then you and I show up on a Sunday morning and we read this passage in Jonah chapter 3. And the word of the Lord comes to Jonah a second time. I like that. Because God could have gave up on Jonah. God could have said, well, since you won't go, I'll find somebody else. But in spite of his disobedience, God still desires to use Jonah. And I've got good news for you. God still has a plan and purpose for you. I don't care how far you've strayed. I don't care how bad you've messed up. I don't care what you've done. The fact that you're here this morning and there is still breath in your body is a testament that God still has a plan and purpose for your life. And so the word of the Lord comes to Jonah a second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach to it the message that I tell you. And the third verse says, So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. But don't run past it. So in Jonah chapter 3, Jonah receives the same message that he received in Jonah chapter 1. Same God speaking to the same man, the same message to go to the same place, but he responds differently in Jonah chapter 3 than he responded in Jonah chapter 1. I'm not making it up. So what's the difference between Jonah chapter 1 and Jonah chapter 3? Another great question. The only difference between Jonah chapter 3 and Jonah chapter 1 was Jonah chapter 2. 
there was something about what God did in Jonah chapter 2 that when Jonah heard the same message in Jonah chapter 3 that he heard in Jonah chapter 1, he responded differently in Jonah chapter 3 than he responded in Jonah chapter 1. Let me see if I can make it a little bit more clear. <laughs> it was something about when my mama would say to me, I told you not to do that the first time. But because you think you know better for you than I know what's better for you, and you want to live life on your own terms, guess what? There are repercussions that you must pay. And it wasn't until, you know, the strap of correction met my backside. <laughs> I know your modern parents don't do that anymore. But some of us older people know what it means to be taken out to the woodshed. And I don't know about you, but when I heard the instructions the second time, I responded a whole lot different <laughs> than I responded the first time. That's what's happening in Jonah chapter 3. Because in Jonah chapter 1, Jonah received the message, but he decided, I'm not going. Jonah chapter 2, he is now in this negative environment because it's in that environment that God can get his attention and break his will and cause him to surrender. Sometimes people go through ch chapter 2s and sometimes even churches go through chapter 2s. And so when he gets the message in Jonah chapter 3 that he received in Jonah chapter 1, he responds a whole lot different in Jonah chapter 3. Because your Bible says he rose and went according to the word of the Lord. He enters Nineveh on the first day and he begins to proclaim the message that God had given to him. In fact, the Bible records that he says, yet Nineveh in 40 days you shall be destroyed. Now Jonah did not like the Assyrians, he did not like the inhabitants of Nineveh. He did not want them to experience the grace and forgiveness of God. In fact, Jonah chapter 3 verse 5, your Bible says, or Jonah chapter 3 verse 6, your Bible says, I'm sorry, 5. That the people of Nineveh, look at it, the people of Nineveh believed God, proclaimed the fast, and put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least of them. So here's the picture. Jonah goes, Jonah preaches, the people hear, the people believe, they repent of their sins, and they begin to fast. His worst fear has happened because he didn't want them to hear the word of God. He didn't want them to believe the word of God. He didn't want them to receive the grace and mercy of God because he didn't like them. But Jonah goes, Jonah preaches, the people hear, the people believe, the people repent, and the people fast. You've been wondering how in the world we're going to turn this world right side up, right here. 
when the people of God take serious the commands of God, walk in obedience to God, engage people who are far from God, share with them the hope they have in God, then people might turn to God. That's what happened here. Jonah took serious the commands of God. He walked in obedience to the commands of God. He went and he engaged people who were far from God. He preached the message that God had given to them. And these people heard, they believed, and they turned to God. Sometimes the, men, the biggest reason our country and our world is in the condition that it's in is because the people of God won't tell people about the goodness of God. We'll tell each other about the goodness of God, but we won't talk to people who are far from God and share with them the hope that we have in God. So in Jonah chapter 3 verse 5, the people hear, the people believe, and the people repent and fast. But not only that, your Bible says in Jonah chapter 3 verse 6 that the king also believed. In fact, if you look at the sixth verse, that the word of the Lord came to the king of Nineveh and he arose from his throne, laid aside his robe, covered himself with sackcloth and sat in ashes. And then in the seventh verse, and he caused it to be proclaimed and published throughout all Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles saying, let neither man nor beast Herd nor flock taste anything. Do not, do not let them eat or drink water. But let every man and beast be covered in sackcloth and cry mightily to the God or to God. Yes, let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hand. Here's the picture. Jonah goes. Jonah preaches. The people hear. The people believe. The king also hears. And he begins to pass laws and legislations and says that the name of the Lord shall be heralded in Nineveh. You've been wondering how we're going to turn this government right side up. Right here. Not only that, I've got to get out of your way. But the 10th verse says that when God saw that the people believed and that the people repented and that the people fasted, your Bible says that God relented. That doesn't mean God changed his mind. It means that God held back from them what they rightfully deserved. Because of their sinfulness, because of their rebellion, because of their disobedience, they deserved the wrath of God. Let me see if I can make it a little clearer. Because of our rebellion, because of our disobedience, because of our sinfulness, we deserve the wrath of God. In fact, your Bible says, Romans 3.23, that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Paul goes on to write in Romans 6.23 that the wages of sin is death. 
But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. In essence, what Paul is writing in Romans 6.23 is that because of your sinfulness, because of your disobedience, because of your rebellion to God, you and I and all the world deserves the full wrath of God's judgment. But God, in his grace and mercy, sent his son, Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ, who knew no sin, became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. Now, I know y'all don't get excited about that, but I get excited about that. And so God held back from them in Jonah chapter 3 verse 10 what they rightfully deserved. That's why y'all were singing, we were singing at the cross, at the cross. We get excited about the cross because it is because of Jesus' work on the cross that God has relented, God has held back from us what we rightfully deserve. I'm almost done. It's really a wonderful story. In fact, Jonah is really the only book in the entire Bible where we see evidence of true revival. You would have thought Jonah would have been happy that God held back from Nineveh the destruction and devastation that he was going to pour out on Nineveh. But if you read Jonah chapter 4, Jonah was actually angry with God because God had the audacity to save those people. Don't you know how nasty those people are? In fact, Jonah said to God, why don't you just kill me? I'd rather die than spend eternity with those people. And in Jonah chapter 4, verse 11, we get the first glimpse of Nineveh. And so Jonah is pleading with God, just kill me. But in the 11th verse of the fourth chapter, God gives us a snapshot of this city, Nineveh. Read it with me. Look with me. God is speaking now. And should I not pity Nineveh, that great city, in which are more than 120,000 people who cannot discern between their right hand and their left? So the picture of Nineveh is that it was a city of over 120,000 people who were spared the wrath of God's judgment. Jonah had a significant ministry. Coastal Oaks, wouldn't you be thrilled to know that because of your ministry, 120,000 people were spared the wrath of God's judgment? I don't know very many churches who would not be happy be able to celebrate the fact that because of their ministry efforts, 120,000 and 20,000 people. Pastor, you'd be happy with that, wouldn't you? 
Because of my ministry, because of my ministry, because of my ministry efforts, 120,000 people were spared the wrath of God's judgment. Jonah had a significant ministry, but we never talk about Jonah's ministry. I grew up in Sunday school and vacation Bible school. I've heard many stories about this man, Jonah. And here's what I've always heard about this man, Jonah. Here is a man who heard from God. Here is a man who disobeyed God. Here's a man who reaped the consequences of his disobedience. He was thrown overboard, swallowed by a fish that spit him up on dry land after three days. That's what I've always heard about Jonah. And while those things are true, I never have heard that here is a man who obeyed God. Here is a man who ministered to people that he didn't even like. And because of his ministry to them, God held back from them the destruction that he was going to pour out on them. And that because of his ministry, 120,000 people were saved. We never celebrate Jonah's ministry. Why? That's the last great question y'all ask. Why? Scripture doesn't tell us, but I've got a sneaky suspicion I understand why. And it is because as impactful and significant as his ministry was, 120,000 people were saved from the wrath of God. His disobedience always overshadows it. The point I'm simply trying to make is, Coastal Oaks, you can do great things for God. You can give, you can serve, you can do all kinds of ministries in his name. Good stuff. But if you're not careful, if we're not careful, we can do great things for God that are overshadowed by our disobedience. So what does God want from Jonah? What God wanted from Jonah is the same thing that God wants from you and I. He wanted Jonah's yes. His unconditional yes. His yes that says, God, to whomever, wherever, however long it costs me, I'll go. You may be here this morning and you've been wondering, what does God want from me? God wants your yes. There was a song that we would sing in that little church in Corpus Christi. By the way, I'm a native of Corpus Christi. I was born and raised there. New Hope Missionary Baptist Church, church I grew up in, and we used to sing a song in that little small church. The words of the song are the words that I'll leave with you. I'll say yes, Lord, yes, to your will and to your way. I'll say yes, Lord, yes. I will trust you and obey. When your spirit speaks to me with my whole heart, I'll agree. And my answer will be yes, Lord, yes.
If you're here today and you've never placed your faith and hope in Jesus Christ, the greatest decision you can ever make in this life is to say yes. And as the ministry team is moving into place, let me invite you to make the most important decision you can ever make in this life. 